Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, Two Guys at a Mic Show, midweek Wednesday version of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. We'll cover everything from the baseball round them up and wrap them up to a little PGA golf, the final major coming up uh, starting tomorrow. And, of course, finishing this weekend, we got some NFL news. we got college football to talk about. And I know the big dogs want to pontificate and partake upon the fact that, at least here in the fine state of Illinois, the high school kids are having their first practice as we speak. Big dog, as you are sitting down. On your lazy rear end, high school football players are out there running suicides. I hope you don't feel guilty. David Olson's giving me a quizzical look. Yes, Dave. Maine South's been Henry. Maine South's been out there for three weeks. Well, that they haven't. They, that was their summer practice. You're only allowed a so, certain amount of summer. To, today is the first day of actual practice. Either that, or you're reporting an illegal activity. They're out there every single day and have been since mid-July. Some of those are, quote-unquote, well, Big Dog, you can probably speak to this better. Those are captain-run practices, quote-unquote. Big well, Dog, how are you, and are you feeling guilty that you are no, barely jealous. getting out of bed and others are running suicides right now? Jealous. I, I can't tell you, Coach. <laughs> I was I was the one freak of the guy in the field that actually enjoyed going to triple sessions to double sessions, and... Uh, I'm not just making that up, Coach. I love practicing the game of football. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not kidding. I couldn't wait for football practice to start. Now, I will admit that by, like, day four or five, I was <laughs> sick of it already and wanted to go home. Yep. Okay, and I couldn't wait till we only had one practice a day, and we were preparing for a, a team instead of running at each other all mm-hmm. the time. But, no, Coach, I I would rather be practicing football right now, even if it didn't mean I was going to get to play in a football game. I'm I not kidding it. you. Gotta love it. You're probably in the minority, but I love that passion. I love that desire. You know, it's a little bit different now. And again, uh, we welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us here. Talkzone.com. Lots to cover. One hour sports show. Big dog and a coach at your service. 888-463-6748. The phone number. I do want to get to our fire alarm scare that ended our show early yesterday, big dog. But, but on the high school football front, would you agree with me that the fact, and David Olson alluded to it, that these high schools now are out there so much in the summertime. You know, what used to be maybe a week or two weeks now is four or five or six weeks. you got captain-run practices. They go to colleges for little, like some of the colleges used to do, or even pro teams for two, three, four-day weekend, you know, getaways slash practices. They maybe take a week off. And then they come back for the first day of practice. What I'm asking you is, do you think the specialness, the sizzle, the excitement of the first day of practice is taken away by the fact that they're basically together all summer as it is? No, I mean, who cares about that at that point? Well, it's not I mean, like, it's, you know, know, you're seeing... And me as a team, maybe, yeah, that aspect is taken away for somebody who really doesn't care about winning is just there to put the football uniform on to tell their, their girls, hey, yeah, I play. I see that. I don't think that. That's a cheap shot. It's, it's, it's human nature. If you've seen your teammates for five consecutive weeks and the coach is yelling and, you know, and you've been playing football for five weeks, you get a week off, you come back, your excitement level is somewhat limited. If you haven't played for three or four weeks, you've been away from the game, you're mentally refreshed, you haven't heard your coach or seen your teammate, you come back a little more excited to play. 
Well, maybe. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Coach. Um, but uh, to, to be honest with you, I mean, who cares about the excitement level? I'd rather <laughs> the, the the whole idea. Well, we practice way wrong. When I was in high school, um, I mean, I got as many practice, you know, catch and run practices as possible. We mm-hmm. had our summer practice four weeks before our our, our first day of practice. Mm-hmm. It was way too long. I thought in between. So uh, uh, that always bothered me just a little bit. I always think the key is that you watch. There's a there's a definite correlation between winning football teams and the fact that they've got some kind of hill near their football field. If if, if a coach has got an uphill place to run, that's a winning program. Little tidbit from your friendly coach here. You, you know, I will have to agree with you. In college, like I've, I've told you about this, where we played inside of a valley. Yeah. We played at the bot. Our football stadium was at the bottom of the valley, and our name of our team was the the Highlanders. <laughs> Which I always, which I always thought was funny, but right behind, like right behind, like, there was a massive hill behind our stadium. You know what I mean? And yep. you know, it was a, it was a, a Division three uh, stadium, so it wasn't massive. So people would stand on the hill, yep, when and and watch the football games. And we would have to run up that hill. Oh my goodness, coach! It was a massive, massive hill. It was yeah. at least ten stories high. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, it, it was. We would end up in situations all the time where. Um, we'd have to run that thing. Not, not good, Coach. If we lost, we knew that. Someone would mention it, too. That would make it even worse. Yeah. Just say we lost a real close game and somebody made something stupid or maybe we were just too tired at the end of the game to get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, someone would say, uh-oh, the hill. We didn't want to hear that on Saturday as we were walking into the locker room. No, but it can't. Would say it, it, we would know. We would know, know that we got it, the hill coming up. And it can hack and understand that mentality. It can happen. You can definitely be over-conditioned. For a game, but, uh, you know, as you're talking about running up the hill and you think about the burn and the incredible cardiovascular and, and strengthening that it does, you got all this modern technology, all the fancy equipment, the, uh, exercise equipment and conditioning has advanced in technology, big dog, like just about everything else in society. It's incredible how uh, specific and how fancy some of this stuff is. But you know what? Push-ups. Sit-ups and run on the hill, particularly run on the hill, still as good as any $10,000 piece of equipment. No, no, I agree with you with those and like uh, pull-ups, yep. uh, chin-ups, pull-ups, yep. you know, all that type of stuff is phenomenal for you. But the funny thing is how you do your sit-ups has changed 874 yes. ways in the last uh, eight days, <laughs> just to let you know. I, the proper way to do a sit-up. Yes, that is very true. Very true. We got any fitness gurus out there, even fitness hacks who want to uh, uh, climb in on the conversation? You are so right on sit-ups. I'd like to hear currently. I know it'll change by tomorrow, but currently, and you're somewhat of a fitness expert, uh, Big Dill. Let me throw the phone number out real quick, 888-463-6748. What is the current state of the art? Because I try to do sit-ups, and, and I do know proper technique changes on a regular basis. Well, I, I will tell you this, that uh, I, I have no idea what the exact, Somebody else's proper way, but I have my own proper way to do them. Uh, coach, you come, you come, uh, hang with me one day, and it, I call them one minute abs. Everybody else has like six minute abs. I have never met sounds, anybody who did not prepare to do what I'm going to do to you that could ever do it for one minute. Sounds very unthreatening. The one minute ab, I can handle that. It's the end. I got to tell you something. It's it's awesome, coach. And I, I the guy who ended up being Mr. Illinois. Yep. Danny Soto. I taught him one minute abs and one day he's like, I'm not kidding you. He's like, Joel, you know, I'm almost up to a minute and a half abs now. Mm-hmm. All Can you had to you... do is just minute abs 
five days a week, you'll be shredded. But you have to work out everything else, though. You have mm-hmm. to actually work out. And if you're exercising, all you got to do is one minute after. Yeah. It's all about the core, by the way. That, that is clearly, is. clearly the emphasis with coaches and uh, trainers today is it's all about the core. Without me getting too personal, Big Dog, uh, how was your core these days? Phenomenal, Coach. Okay. For a, for a guy that's going to turn 39 in a month. Good core. All right. What can you tell us? I don't want you to give away any oh, money-making ideas. I have what? a hernia too, so and I have a hernia in that course. Oh, good, good core with a bad hernia. All right, that's an interesting contradiction. What do you? What is the one-minute app? I teach everybody the exact proper way to actually do a sit-up, and you do have to do them on something where you're kind of in hanging. You can't really do them flat on the floor. You could, but they're really not as effective. Mm-hmm. But I get you on like. Uh, one of those elevated uh, uh, sit-up machine things, okay. you know what I mean? Not machines. You definitely, anybody who uses the weighted machines is an idiot when it comes to doing your stomach. That is the last thing you want to do. Because I know people, I'm trying to look thin. Well, then why are you adding muscle mass to your to the, your gut if you want to look thin? I never understood people who do that. And I try to explain it to people and mm-hmm. stubborn people refuse to listen. And people with open mind are like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I'm never going to do it again. So. Uh, but when you're talking about the way I do a coach, it's, it's, uh, you really have to spread your body out, extend your body. And when I'm talking to you and I'm actually showing you how to do it, uh-huh. people actually understand and it really flattens their stomach out okay. before they do it. Okay. They become extremely as wide and as flat as possible. Mm-hmm. And then I actually kind of like teach you to like fold your body over, uh-huh. but you have to squeeze your belly button to your backbone as you do it. So when you, cause when you, okay, if everybody does this right now, everybody around the, uh, all seven continents, I want you to sit up in your chair right now. Okay. And what you need to do is take your head and extend it as high as you possibly can to stretch your neck out and stretch your spine out. Okay. Then after you do that, I want you to relax, but blow out, exhale. When you do that, your belly button actually collapses and yes. it goes almost to your backbone. Mm-hmm. Well, when that happens, everybody, I want everybody to do that again. And when you do it, squeeze your belly button to your backbone. So as you squeeze it right there, now you, your shoulders should be out completely, like as far away from each other as possible in a straight line. So like the, the tip of each one of your shoulders can be a straight line right through your body and it's as far away as possible. Am, am I allowed so way, to breathe? You're spreading your whole body out. Do you understand what I mean, I, Coach? I do. I'm trying. it. Are you allowed to breathe or do I keep saying yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. As you Now you have to learn how to exercise this way while you're breathing. Very okay. difficult at first. But if you can do this for like, so, if you learn how to do it that way, when you do all your exercises like that, you'll look leaner and your core mm-hmm. will be awesome and you'll actually be more okay. athletic. So you but don't, then you do your sit-ups that way. You don't just do that as a abdominal exercise. You do that throughout all your exercises. Yeah. It's sort of basically like, and I, I was going to ask you this actually, is the people that you know try to look better by sucking their stomach and isn't the actual... Activity of sucking your stomach in that that actually strengthens the uh, abs. Yeah, that helps. And if you do it the right way, if you do exactly what I told you, where you blow out and sink your stomach, your your belly button to your yep. backbone. Yep. Do and squeeze real nice and hard. But I still don't squeeze in with your shoulders in like oh, I'm squeezing. No, what you do is you spread your shoulders out and you stand as tall as possible and you keep your head so up. So you're you you're can't. you're isolating the abs. Yes. Yes, and as you do that, grab a jump rope and squeeze your stomach and do jump ropes for one minute and see so, what happens to your abs. Right, oh, my goodness, Coach. You'll be like, oh, my abs are dying. 
So the, the unique the unique part of what you're saying is not just the description of the exercise, but the fact that you want people to do that throughout other ver- uh, forms of exercise. Yeah, but I, and but never like squeeze down like you're squeezing your shoulders in and your your head right. is down and you're crunched over. No, you do it like mm-hmm. you want to look. Everybody wants to look taller, slimmer. You know what I mean? More athletic. Well, if you do all of your exercises like you're taller, slimmer, more athletic, mm-hmm. that's the thing is people don't realize. You have to actually have your body in the position you want it to look. So when I see people lifting and their, their shoulders are crunched over and they're kind of bent and they're slouched over or they're, or they're cheating when they're doing it, it's, it's so dumb. You need to stand as tall and as proud as possible. If you're a woman, this might sound weird, you got to kind of make them poke out, okay? Because if you want to look tall and skinny and all that other stuff when you're when you're not working out, mm-hmm. you have to be in that position while you do your exercises. It trains your body to look that way. Solid advice. Solid advice. If you're uh, if you're selling, I'm buying, big dog, and I think many other listeners on too. You've been on a roll this week. You've been giving out from political to health to environmental. You've been giving out some uh, particularly meat and potatoes info this week. Well, you've been going down. You've been going down some of my professions. I've uh, yep. personal trained people, and trust me, people used to just like. People that I've personal trained have legitimately told me I've changed their lives forever. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a 285-pound dude, turned him into Mr. Illinois coach. So the the letter that that young man wrote me might have been, like, the nicest thing that I've ever received in my entire life. It's outstanding. So, I hope you kept that for your uh, personal uh, mementos. Oh, it's on Facebook, so as long as nah, I can work, stop it. Not that you know. Facebook. Don't, don't you have a little folder at home? Of- well, it would be nice to... Coach, he's 25 years old. He doesn't even know what paper is. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. Cop, print it out. You need to trust me. As you get older, you're gonna you're gonna want this to show your kids, your grandkids, or whoever it might be. You got to keep a folder of uh, you know special moments, things. Hopefully, your newspaper articles, your your from your playing career, you got those saved a little bit. No, I don't. Uh, I need to get those better. I need on. to contact my ex girlfriend from college. She has all that stuff. Uh, that that could be a problem. That could be a problem indeed, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Solid advice. I like that. Very, yeah, very... but I actually I, I teach you how to do a sit up, and if anybody can do it for a minute, mm-hmm. they can't. But it usually it's at the end of a workout with me, so that's the that's the you end it with that, and it's like impossible. Mm-hmm. I have. usually any client that I had, they if they could even work up to the one minute, they would be like, "I'm look how slim I am now. Look yeah. how skinny I am." You know, I remember one of the better interviews we had back at our old uh, radio show. And, again, we're starting off the show. Uh, we started off with the fact that here in the state of Illinois, high school football team, high school sports, period, having their first official day of practice. Our producer, David Olson, alluding to the fact that some of the teams might out there might have had their unofficial practices. But today it officially starts anyways, not just football. All the sports we've ventured into conditioning and uh, a little health expertise, personal training via the big dog, Joel Redwanski. But I remember we you mentioned Mr. Mr. Illinois, you and our guest, Mr. Arkansas, I believe was his name. Yeah. And he was selling some product, but the two of you had an outstanding uh, karma connection. I remember you, without getting too personal, you and Mr. Arkansas definitely hit it off well. Yeah, we did. We did. And uh, we talked about a lot of odd things that I have brought up on the show that everybody else was like, oh, yeah, right, Red Wonski, that's moronic. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're asking, Mr. Arkansas writes a book. Somebody, and all of a sudden, since he wrote a book on something, he ended up being an expert on everything, remember? Yep. yep. So then all the stuff we asked him, he agreed with me, and all of a sudden you guys were like, what, he was right? Mm-hmm. And then you, then you didn't believe Mr. Arkansas. 
But before, when he just because he had a book, you were willing to accept anything the guy said. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You and Mr. Arkansas definitely had a good connection. He, On the other hand, when we had, I think it was Miss Tennessee on, that was a little bit of a problem. You and Miss Tennessee, if I remember correctly, did not get along well. Especially when she asked me to spell my name, and then when I did, she realized that I was that one Joel Redwanski. So that was an issue, Coach. <laughs> that was part of the problem, huh? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to repeat this. The one thing, though, that I asked Mr. Arkansas about, that uh, people back then, you guys thought I was crazy, because, you know, this guy's like an expert. He's a doctor on diet. Right. Whatever the heck that meant. Was a dietitian? Yeah, he was selling us some, some kind of medical pill. I forget what well, it was. Well, no, it was his book. It was his book that he was selling. Oh, okay. He was. It was no medical pill. He didn't. He he didn't believe in pills. He believed in eating natural foods and exercising and eating yeah. properly. He was the only one who I think who advocated first read my book and then you can eat it. I, I don't know if that good. that was that would be a lot of fiber though. Good, good for fiber, absolutely. That'd be like a year serving. But uh, <laughs> I I asked him the question, and and he agreed. You should not drink anything after you eat for at least. A half hour to 45 minutes if you want to remain skinny. You should drink before you are eating your meal. As soon as you start eating your meal, you put the water and everything away. You need to let your food digest in your stomach mm-hmm. before you wash away the enzymes with any type of liquid. Yeah, not not only, if I recall your opinion and Mr. Arkansas's opinion correctly, not only for weight loss, but for the nutritious gain of the food, it can enter your system better when you wash it down with fluids, you don't get all the uh, the nutrition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The enzymes don't break down the food, and you yeah. end up losing most of the nutrition in the food, so a couple things end up happening later. Uh-huh. Uh First of all, you have gigantic chunks of food that are undigested and are more likely uh, to be stuck in you. And the other one is the, the, the simple fact that you're going to get hunger pains because your body hasn't digested enough of the nutrients. Mm-hmm. So that you don't get hunger pains because of not enough calories. You get hunger pains because of lack of, of, of nutrients. So that's why when you eat healthy, you have a tendency not to, to feel more full. Interesting. Interesting. I should be taking notes on this show here. But the, the good thing is that, of course, via the um, wonders of the Internet at TalkZone.com, people can archive this show if you like what Big Dog is saying. You tell people to go to the website, and our shows are archived. You can catch this tape over and over again. Very informational, Big Dog. Good, solid stuff. I like it. Any sure. chance a, a book is coming up in the near future, be it edible or not edible? I would. Uh, you said it's going to take at least a year to perfect the whole uh, sound well, maybe who knows with this swipe technology, Coach? You just never know what mm-hmm. could happen. Yeah, I, I am like inspired lately because of this stuff. I mean, the fact that I could actually print something out as fast as my mind is thinking, as opposed to like the ten words a minute that I used to type. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm honestly, I, I feel it's not only just like I can be productive. I'm motivated to actually do some stuff. You know, it'd be really frustrating when I would have like. A tenth paragraph going out of my head, I still have the first sentence going down on the typewriter. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to type that way. Big Dog alluding to uh, yesterday's conversation, I believe, yeah. when we advanced from uh, typing in your text to, I think, something you had called swipe. That's which, what the technology is called nowadays. Yes, which I still haven't fully comprehended the swipe concept, but then we took it one step further. and Actually, we went two steps further. I went into voice-activated uh, text and, and typing up papers just by speaking it. And then you even took the quantum leap into thought processes. You can think it, and it will type it. That's where my hesitation began. But it was scintillating conversation yesterday. Uh, excellent. So we can probably move, in, ooh, excuse me, move into sports if you would like to, Coach, because uh, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm more than happy to, to talk uh, any high school football if you want to. So it's funny. Dave says that the Maine South players have been holding practices for the last three weeks. That is why that team will dominate the Mid-Suburban mm-hmm. Conference again and make a run at, uh, at, at a high school championship. Wow. That, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's the, If you want to play football in high school, I know you want to be like, oh, it shouldn't be that serious. You know what? If you want to play football in high school, you might as well take it serious. It's your one time to play organized football in your life. Mm-hmm. You might as well take it as serious as yeah, possible. Yeah, I would Why agree. Why and half-ass it? I, I love the fact that these kids are like, you know what? This is our one-time dream to actually make something happen. And what a surprise. That that type of school wins all the time. No surprise here. Yeah, I'll agree with part of it. I would never question guys that are out there if, in fact, it's a captain-run practice dedicated on their own. Even though the official summer workouts are finished, they're still working out and you know putting that extra effort in. I would never, never criticize that kind of uh, discipline and enthusiasm for the game. The only thing I would say is that I do think in any sport, in any activity, you do need a little bit of time off so you can come back better refreshed and to better performance so you prevent possibly a burnout towards the end of the year. I don't know. If, if, you're, if you're playing in November and you're a high school football player, I don't think you're, I'm worried about burnout at that point because yeah, but if, if uh, you're, playing in, you're playing in state playoff games. Yeah, but you if, you, if you had your first practice, uh, you know, like three days after school ended, and you've basically been going out there four or five days a week all summer long. Again, I get to the fact, you know, it's like with the uh, the NFL teams. Now, there's some excitement when they report to camp for the first time because they've been off for a while. They haven't seen each other. But, boy, you've been together sweating and beating on each other and, and you know, getting yelled at by coaches five consecutive weeks. And four days later, woo, hey, it's the first day of practice. I, I would argue that a little bit of the – Enthusiasm of that? No, no. I would, I would have to say it's absolutely opposite because they can't hit each other at all for five weeks, and all of a sudden they finally get to put equipment on and run mm-hmm. into each other at full speed. And those guys that we're talking, you're yeah, going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah, well, guess what? Now we're going live, buddy. And now you can just shut up, and we'll find out who the <laughs> football players are. Okay, so uh, as somebody who played football, I'm thinking of it completely different than you. I couldn't wait for the first, well, first day of practice when you get to actually hit somebody, as opposed mm-hmm. to summer camp when you run around hitting bags and everybody thinks they're a tough guy. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I used to love that first day of football practice. I'd walk out, I'm like, oh, Donner's Grove North. Hmm." As a freshman team, 135 people tried out. You know what I mean? I wonder how many are going to be left tomorrow. Oh, there's 90 left? Oh, 45 people quit yesterday. That's pretty funny. (laughs) That's actually one-third of the people who came Uh, out here. That was pretty nice. Goodness. You know, so it was just a challenge to me, Coach, all these people Mm -hmm. running their mouths, and then I'll see, I loved it. Then we're going to find out who really, who really was a team. And by the way, just maybe other kids, uh, maybe I don't get it, Coach. You're right. Maybe you have, you're right about this, and I don't get it because in every year that I've ever played football, I never burned out. I was never sick of it. And when my season ended, it felt like I got stabbed in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's the best way for me to put it. So I never, ever suffered from football burnout. Hey, real quick, before we leave the high school football scene, I want to throw a shout-out to one of our uh, – Fine listeners, one of our dedicated long to all the way back to even before you started, Big Daughter, the naked truth about sports days. He's now a head high school football coach, Kiwani High School. And uh, when I say downstate, it's way not downstate, but not, not Kiwani. I'm sorry, Kankakee, I think it is. No, Kiwani? No, no, no. I think he coaches Kankakee. Is it Kiwani? Who, who are you talking about? Red Hawk. He coaches at Kiwani, Kiwani. which is out west. Okay, the fighting boilermakers of Kiwani High School in the, what did you say, the southwest suburbs? No, Kiwani is way out west. It's way out west. In 
western part of Illinois, like like three hours west of Chicago. Okay. All right. Wait, wait. Anyhow, we got to throw some uh, good wishes out to him. He Facebook today saying he did not sleep last night uh, in anticipation of the first day of practice. So good luck, Red Hawk, one of our uh, dedicated listeners of the program and a fine head high school coach of the Kiwani Boilermakers, Big Dog. You got to get out to one of his practices. You and him, you and him would uh, be two peas in a pot. You know, he would want me there, and the first thing he would do would be like, "Why don't you just just go to the tight ends and talk to them for a little bit?" Because uh, I played tight end in the exact offense that uh, that he runs. And by the way, only three high school football teams in the state of Illinois run the defense really offense. Okay, and one of them is Frank Lenty at Mount Carmel, and I don't know who the third one is. And the other one is uh, is uh, is uh, Red Hawk Chris out in the. <laughs> So, I mean, uh-huh. seriously, there's only three high schools running anymore, and one of them wins the state championship almost every other year. So, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully things will get done. Down, Downers North, not running anymore, Coach. It, it's, it's Legitimately, it's like a, a punch in the gut, honestly. Because John Wander is still the head coach there, and they only run it like every once in a while. They've, they've kind of like turned into the spread team. They think they're... They think they're cute all of a sudden. It's starting to bother me a little bit. <laughs> and they wonder why they went two and seven. They go away from the beer, and all of a sudden, I mean, this is a team that legitimately won ten games a year, at least eight games a year, for a fifteen-year period. Okay, then all they go away from the offense. They go two and seven. Mm-hmm. What a surprise, coach! What a surprise! Old school, old school. Red Wanski bringing us a uh-huh. little. Uh... Football radio with pads on, if you will, here on the uh, two guys in a mic show. Almost said the morning break show, our old radio show. 888-463-6748, the phone number. You can tell we're getting a little bit excited for football. Yesterday we featured college football. Joe Paterno, by the way, the first injury of the college football season, doing better. He was released from the hospital, big dog, but we had talks of college yesterday. High school today, we're getting the pads on. We're getting fired up for a little football. I can almost... Hardly wait for our preseason football prediction show, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, Big Dye. I know you're doing your homework for that show. Uh, Coach, I have not done any homework oh. for that whatsoever. Come on, but research. I'll be okay. Translated, that means Joe will be doing his research for the prediction show about three minutes before uh, 10 o'clock Central Time. No, no. Which particular? Is that college or pro prediction? Well, we'll have two separate shows. Okay. But we will do both. For, for the professional, I haven't done anything yet because I'm waiting to see who signs with who. I don't even think that's done yet. Yep. So. Okay. Well, you got time. Yeah, I don't want you to, just like the high school football players, I don't want you to peak too soon. You got time. Make sure you get your preparation done, though, before the big shows. Real quick, let's get to I, some and of the. I, and I have to figure out who the Panthers are going to name at quarterback in Carolina before I make my Super Bowls. Uh, got a little there. battle there between Jimmy Clausen and, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Cam Newton. Yeah, so depending on that is going to who I determine to win the Super Bowl this year. Huh? Are yep. you are you implying that if they make the right quarterback selection, the Carolina Panther under new head coach, ex Chicago Bear Super Bowl great Ron Rivera, right? Oh yes, yes, Ron Rivera, head head football coach over there in Carolina. Interesting. First time. Yes. All right. Are you uh, hinting that you're predicting great things from Coach Rivera? Uh, no, I'm not predicting that at all. Carolina oh. sucks this year. I just, are... I'm waiting for I'm waiting for them to make a decision before I make my Super Bowl pick. I don't get it. I, I need a do I coach. I okay. just I was trying to make you think <laughs> that I thought Carolina could oh. win this year. Okay, thank you very much. A little curveball on the outside corner, or a couple of feet outside, and that went Alfonso Soriano. I swung it and missed right. on it. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, let's talk a little. Uh, well, before we even get into baseball, I wanted to bring up the fact that the uh, stock market. 
has been drastically up, drastically down. Volatile stock market, obviously, because of the uh, recent debt ceiling uh, agreement between the Congress and the Senate with what's going on with the government and, of course, the AA rating as opposed to the AAA rating, big dog. I don't know how fully vested you are, but I meant to bring it up yesterday, but we do need to bring up to all our sports fans out there both sympathies and maybe a little bit of appreciation now that the stock market bounced back yesterday 429 points. Not too bad. Well, does it really matter if we go back into another quantitative easing, Coach? If we do, it doesn't. I, I'm, not, I'm not too uh, up war about one day, and it's going to go back down over the next day or two. It's going to be an up and down thing. I don't know who's making the billions off mm-hmm. of it going up and down like it is, but somebody yeah. is. Right? I doubt it's the little guy. I think if it goes up and down, it's a little unsettling, but we could live with that. The problem is if it goes up and then down, 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 and then an up, and then a down, down. Up and down, we could live with Big Dog, because then hopefully we won't venture too far from the zero point. Well... Uh, something tells me it keeps on. Yeah, it goes when it goes down six fifty and then up five hundred. That down six hundred, then up four fifty. Still losing. I just so, need to need to point out that uh, Wall Street is already down today and it's wiped out all of yesterday's gains. You're kidding? No, down four hundred already. Yes. Wow. Thank okay. you, David Olson, for depressing me for the rest of the show. You know, if you liken it to a baseball team, big dog. And I just came up with this thought, but if you think about the stock market, sort of like this year's Chicago White Sox, where the net result is not good, but, you know, you've got some bad downs, some really bad downs. Then some brief moments of up, you start to get your hopes up, and then some bad downs again. And, and then you get your hopes up. Net result, though, is things are heading down, down, down. Is that a somewhat fair comparison? I, you know, I've been telling all of my friends with money to buy uh, silver and, and buy gold for years, and I, people, hopefully they did, but I know most of them didn't. You know, if if the United States goes to another quantitative easing again, okay, it's, it's going to, I'm really afraid they're going to do it. And next thing you know, we're going to have to end up having bank holidays. Coach, if we have a bank holiday, you know, it's gonna, the Dow Jones is going to go down a 1,000 points on one of those days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, things aren't getting any better, so... Well, I don't really not sure what we're going to do. I think, you know, the best thing to do is to definitely, if you're in the middle class, you shouldn't have to pay any taxes whatsoever. How about that? You just eliminate all the taxes for anybody who's in the middle class. Yep. Yep. The the uh, difference between the upper class and the lower class, the wealthy and the poor, is greater now than it's ever been. And that is uh, very upper. much centrical. Even, even even more so yes. than uh, in the turn of the century, 1900, when uh, there was all these robber barons and monopolies were mm-hmm. around and the unions weren't around. Yep. You know, it's funny. We have all this more government control, yet there is a greater separation between yep. uh, rich and poor than ever in the history of the United States. It's a problem. It's definitely a problem, and I would argue it's, it's, it's often overlooked, that simple fact, but it is centrifugal to uh, many of the problems we're having in this country right now. Uh, but I was trying to make the transition from the volatile stock market and David Olson reporting now that it is volatile in a negative way this morning. Hopefully we'll get a little bounce back effect. Uh, but would you compare it to, and I'm trying to get into some sports here real quick, Chicago White Sox baseball. They beat the Orioles yesterday five wins in a row just when you thought they were dead again. They look like they're bouncing back. little comparison between the stock market and our beloved White Sox. Well, you know what? The, the, I... I'm going to sit here and bash the White Sox because I'm a Cub fan and people think I'm hating on the White Sox. But come on, let's just be honest with you. The only reason why 
the White Sox are still in this race is because the Indians yeah. and the Tigers are as bad of a one-two team in the yeah. division and I, that I've seen in at least 15 years in baseball. Yeah, that's true. Watch, I watched the Cleveland Tigers game with Coach, you should say I'm sorry because I can't believe I did this. I legitimately stayed up last night and watched the Detroit Tigers Cleveland Indian ball game, went into the 14th. Next thing I know, I fell asleep. Or it was like somewhere, I know it had been in the 13th inning, but next thing I know, I said, oh, he hit my pitch and they win the game. I mean, so I hit my pitch, walk off. After 14 innings, I watched the game. Nobody <laughs> wanted to win it. It legitimately, people in the stands were sleeping. They were booing their own team in the 13th. Who? I mean, it, it, that's about as bad as it gets, Coach. Who did win? I'm pretty sure Cleveland won, Coach. Okay. But all I know is, I, it, at this point, it looked like neither team wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. We had like, like there was, there must have been like five Alfonso Soriano at bats in a row where a pitcher couldn't throw the ball over the plate, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't need to because nobody swung at a strike. It, it was horrible. I couldn't believe. It. I was like, this is about as bad of baseball as I've watched all year long. Interesting. So, Hit by a pitch, walk off to win it all for the Tigers. By the way, starting tonight, game two is the brand-new Cleveland Indian, Ubaldo Jimenez. So we'll see if he, uh, his first performance not that great. We'll see if he can give Cleveland a little bit of a, a bump. But uh, getting back to the White Sox, two guys you got to mention, and then they have won five in a row. They're at least temporarily back in it, even though they're under five hundred. But uh, Sergio, well, three guys. Three guys, they're all pitchers. Sergio Santos has been unbelievable as a closer for the most part this year, Big Dog. Yeah, yeah, he has. He has. And it's Just amazing. For the most part, Coach, he's been awesome all year long. Closers, if you if you close more than eighty five percent of your games, you're awesome. So you you get mad at a, a reliever if they have one mistake. He, oh, he's been good all year long. Yeah, he's had a couple blown saves, but you are right. He's been one of the best, surprisingly, because the guy's only in his second or third year of pitching ever. Yeah, he was a shortstop. It's just an amazing story that quietly, uh, quietly it, it totally is, is. Yeah, and another guy who you know I would argue very quietly. Very quietly has been one of the most, I'm going to use this word, but the guy dominant pitchers in the last, not three weeks, but last month and a half, close to two months of baseball. And that's the young kid, Chris Sale, pitching middle relief, seventh, eighth inning, occasionally closing. Big dog, he started off the season struggle. He has been unbelievable dominant in the last couple of months. He absolutely has been dominant, Coach, and and that, that shows you a lot. The kid was getting, he couldn't throw strikes, and then he was getting hit around, and you're like, hey, you know, he's a young kid, never really, you know, no really minor league experience. You, you figure, is this kid going to break? And no, he bounces back, and he's better than you ever expected him to be all season long. Mm-hmm. So uh, the White Sox have some really good young arms in the bullpen. That's why, you know, I, I kind of thought that we were going to be able to get rid of Matt Thornton in the, at the trade deadline. I thought he was going to be available. But, you know, if you keep him around, you got to have a strong bullpen. And right now, Sergio Santos, their closer, has the best slider in the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I said it, Coach, the best one in the whole entire game. And his fastball is not the chicken liver either. No, it's he, not. He can it's get not. it up and go. Now, you mentioned the two young players real quick before we leave the Chicago White Sox going for six in a row against the Orioles tonight. One veteran. One, uh, well, I won't say aging, but he definitely is the quintessential veteran. We're talking about Mark Burley. I saw this stat. I did not realize it. Correct me if I'm wrong. 17 consecutive games. 17 consecutive starts where he's given up three runs or less. I, I knew he was pitching good. I didn't realize that good. That's a pretty amazing streak, Big Dunn. I'm in, I'm in uh, six fantasy baseball leagues in the first place and five of them. The only one that I'm not is in my own league, and I'm in fifth place. That's driving me crazy, Coach. I picked up early in three leagues already. 
he's pitching awesome right now. He's, he's right now. He's a he's a Mark Burley. People don't realize because he's so consistent yearly. But what people don't realize is that Mark Burley is extremely inconsistent during the season. You know what I mean? He had that one. He did go like four years where he uh, he he pitched consecutive. What was it? Uh, six innings or something like that, which was pretty amazing. But other than that, most of the time, coach. Like he goes through patterns and seasons where he has like an ERA of five, you know, for like two months, and all of a sudden he has an ERA of one for like two months. So mm-hmm. he's in that hot streak right now. So if, if the White Sox can get Gavin Floyd to to pitch like he did all but one inning yesterday, they they might be okay. They might be okay mm-hmm. and can get back in it just for the simple fact of like I said, Cleveland and Detroit have decided that they're not going to put each other away. I mean. If, if you the, the the White Sox are barely below 500, and those teams are barely above 500, and they play both of those teams the rest of the way. So, as much as you, you as we can say, no, they're not a winning ball club, and they they don't deserve to be in the postseason. Well, the way baseball is set up right now, they still control their own destiny and can mm-hmm. still make it in. Very good. Washington, the Nationals knocked off the Cubs three to one. Big story today is the Cubs uh, host the Nationals for Game Two at Wrigley Field. They're going to unveil the statue, Big Dog. I didn't even know there was going to be one, but mm-hmm. apparently it's out there. They're going to unveil it, Ron Santos statue. It'll be sitting right next to Billy Williams at uh, not Clark and Addison, but that would be Sheffield and Addison. Yeah, Sheffield and Addison, and, and I know uh, you, and, you and Ronnie were pretty close back in the day. Yeah, very deserving of a uh, of a statue. So this is really cool. I will be working tonight, uh, paddling on the river. I will not be able to attend, or else I really, I really want to, Coach. This mm-hmm. is pretty cool if I could. Yeah, I like the fact he's next to Billy Williams too. I, I, supposedly, it's going to be him in a fielding position. Well, it, it does make sense. The yeah. guy did win five Gold Glove awards, mm-hmm. so. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's in the field and position. Somehow they probably in the statue somewhere they should include a glove, a bat, and you got to put a microphone there too because as great a player as he was, he was a long time and uh, made a lot of fans, made a lot of his fame through announcing too. Maybe they could incorporate all three things. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I just thought of how they could do it, but we'll see what the statue looks like. Yeah, or clicking his heels. Some people suggested that, but that probably would not be the best. But anyhow, so that's the, the highlight. Sadly. The highlight of the game for the Cubs today will be the unveiling of the statue of Ronnie Santo. Real quick, Major League Baseball yesterday, Big Dog Tampa Bay beat KC 4 to nothing in hour and 53 minutes. James Shields pitched his eighth complete game. Do the Cubs as a staff have eight complete games? I don't think they do. No, no, there's no way they do. There's no way they do. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that guy has been dominant this year. You know, he's one of those guys too, Coach. Like, he will... He, he will throw, like, two shutouts in a row, and then, like, a, you know, uh, eight innings, one run, and then next thing you know, he'll throw one inning and give up eight runs. That's why, if you look at him, you're like, how could the heck is his ERA be three? Mm-hmm. But it seems like every time he goes out there, he throws a shutout because uh, once a month he gives up ten runs in an inning. Yep. Hour and 53 minutes. That that That's cooking. That's getting it done, Coach. That's getting it done. Anaheim uh, got it done against the New York Yankees. Six to four, second blown save in a row for Mariano Rivera. Maybe a little bit of a chink in the armor with the aging veteran Rivera. Bobby Abreu hit two homers, one of them in the ninth inning, a two-run shot off of Mariano. Yeah, that's uh, he doesn't blow two in a row, especially this late in the season. Normally what happens every year is he blows two in a row in April, yep. and everybody in New York says, he's done, he's a bum. And then, uh, and then six months later, you realize he hasn't blown a save since April. So, this, I don't ever remember him blowing two saves 
and all guest coach mm-hmm. in a row. And I, I'm sure it's happened. I mean, the guy is human. <laughs> it is the closer position, but I, I can't remember it. We'll see if it's a trend or a blimp in the road. We will find out. Texas uh, held serve against Anaheim. They're still up a game and a half. Knocked off Seattle 7-6. to Dramatic win there, too. They won their game in the ninth inning. Josh Hamilton singles in the winning run. Little uh, walk-off base hit. Big Dog Texas and Anaheim continue to have the best uh, mono versus mono race in baseball. You know, uh, Josh Hamilton, everybody's talking about, has had kind of a down year this year. He's not putting up monster numbers or anything like that like he has in the past. Uh, he's got to have five walk-off hits this year, you know. And uh, the the Rangers are still in first place, so uh, you know. So he must be doing something right this year, Coach. Mm-hmm. Considering he's having a down season. Yeah, we should all have down seasons like that. Speaking yeah. of uh, up seasons, not down seasons. The Atlanta Braves leading the wild card hunt. They're not going to catch Philadelphia. I'm not sure anybody's going to catch Philadelphia, but the Braves knock off Florida four to three. Another game-winning hit. It took 11 innings. Marcus Prado with the hit. Michael Bourne. The speedster, a brand-new Atlanta Brave. He scores the winning run. Braves celebrate. We should add in Dan Ugla. Move the hitting streak up to 30 games. Big win for the Brave. Big hit for Ugla. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just absolutely crazy. The guy was hitting 173 when the streak started. So that's, that's one of the craziest stats in, in sports. And the Braves keep hanging out in there, and they're playing without their best player, Brian McCann, coach. Mm-hmm. That's the guy. Back. Yesterday, we were trying to think of who the other injured player was. Chipper Joe, yeah, Brian McCant. Their catcher and their best hitter has been out, too, and the Braves continue to excel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's one heck of a good team, Coach. Yep. Milwaukee knocked off uh, St. Louis 5-3. to three. That game went 10 innings. Great day of baseball yesterday. Casey McGahee, who another guy, not quite like Dan Ugla, but he was started off slow. He's gotten hot in the last month for Milwaukee. He got the uh, big double and a 10th inning comeback, and Milwaukee uh, beats the Cardinals 5-3. to three. It's pretty much those two teams battling in the NL Central, Big Doug. Uh, well, without question, it's those two teams. Now, yesterday, I, I did I did look at it. The Reds are 9 back. The Pirates are 10 back, Coach. Yep. So it, it's done. It's, it's definitely officially between the, yep. the Cardinals and the Brewers. And so. if the Cardinals don't watch out, the Brewers will uh, gain separation. They're red hot right now, and nobody – Nobody in the National League hotter than your guy, Casey McGee. Uh, I don't know if Casey McGee is the hottest player in the National League. Is I'm it McGee or McGee? I know it's spelled McGee, but uh, former Cub, third baseman, Casey McGee. Really? Former Cub? Don't even don't even bring it up, Coach. I don't I'm remember him. Him. Did he actually play for the Cub? Uh, he was a minor leaguer. He had like five at-bats for the Cubs like uh, from Iowa, like one September, and then the Cubs traded him for, I believe... Uh, nobody, and a guy that was overpaid and never produced. Sounds like vintage Cubs players. Nobody yeah. and overpaid, never produced. Yes, exactly. They, they might put statues up of those two guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Uh, if you touch one statue, it spills your beer. <laughs> the other statue picks your pocket. <laughs> Uh, statues in reality. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, I missed that one. Stayed, I was not able to stay up late. Who won that ball game? I didn't either, Coach. I have to admit, I was laying on the couch okay. and I was watching that, and I was too, uh, I was too tired to actually change the channels. Yeah, nobody cares, anyways. All right, moving quickly to the NFL, uh, and again, our phone number if you want to check in eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number. Chicago Bears had their first exhibition game. A lot of teams open up this weekend. Big dog. I don't want to break it down too much. It's not that critical, but game one exhibition games are they're different this year, aren't they, than previous years? 
because of the lack of practice? It'll, it'll have more of a scrimmage feel than ever. I legitimately, who's going to put, can you imagine like uh, Bill Belichick putting Tom Brady on the field? He's, right when he's on the field, he's going to, oh, who's going to the offensive line again? He's going to mm-hmm. just remind us of who's out there. Because he doesn't want some third-string dude that has no idea who to block or some rookie that they think is going to start the first week to be out All there right. in the first now game. There's, when, you there's know. others that disagree with you. There are other experts out there who are saying because they didn't have all the OTAs and the practices that you're going to see the starters more. That they, and in fact, Lovey Smith said what they, they hinted that the Chicago Bears, who I think last year, Jay Cutler first string offense, what they ran two series, eight plays, that he hinted that, that in fact they might, and I'm not saying you're wrong. In fact, I tend to agree with you, but, but some say that the uh, starters might play more. I have absolutely no problem if that's what they want to do. But if Jay Cutler's out there, they better have seven people on the field with Jay Cutler that know their blocking responsibilities so he doesn't get absolutely obliterated. We don't need Jay Cutler getting beat up in the middle of, uh, of uh, preseason football. Unless you're a Caleb Haney fan, which I am. Well, look, no offense, Caleb Haney, but, like, okay, he's not in the – I like Caleb Haney, okay? And I want Caleb Haney to get his blocks picked up also. I don't want him getting hurt either. But mm-hmm. that's the one thing in preseason football, especially this year, you have to be aware of. You know, you're like, hey, we have Cam Newton, our number one pick. Oh, we only had to pay him twenty million guaranteed because of this new deal. It's really good. Let's put him out there. Hey, we didn't. We forgot to tell you that the the guard is also a rookie. He has no <laughs> idea who to block, and he yeah. he blocked down when he was supposed to kick out. And mm-hmm. we just had a tackle land on Cam Newton, and his season's over with. I so, I mean, that, when... that, that stuff's important right now of the year, coach. Well, you got to have your offensive line set. The Bears, by the way, speaking of that. And, uh, uh, by the way, I did go into Sports Authority yesterday and asked him if they had any Enderly jerseys in yet. And the guy looked at me like, huh? What? Obviously not familiar with my new favorite quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I've never seen him play, but he's my new favorite quarterback. Third string I, 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 I like Enderley. the kid already, Coach. I do. I've never seen him play, and I like him already. I, I love the kid. Yep. And, by the way, remember my guy, Fantus, the kid from the uh, Canadian Football League? Who? Oh, the receiver. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, let's just say his CFL highlights are not translating into NFL practice catches. What is his last name again? Fantooth. Fantooth. Yeah, he's six foot five, two hundred forty pounds, and he was like the the MVP of the Canadian Football League. Well, let's just say he won't even make the Bears roster at wide receiver. That's so. That's the difference between the yeah. CFL and the NFL. Coach. Interesting. Interesting. Disappointing, because I knew you had high hopes for him. We all did. Everybody in the house, we were ecstatic. We are like, hey, we've got a gigantic slow receiver to get the ball to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about like a breakaway threat. I just want somebody, hey, it's uh, it's third and eight, and he can go 15 yards down the field and position himself in a way only he can catch it, and we can actually make a completion. You know, that's the type of guy I wanted. Or a guy, we're around the 20, throw it up in the corner of the end zone. He can catch it. You know, and then Bears can get a touchdown, not have to worry about it, you know, an interception. You know, one of those deals. Yeah, I worry about that now that you mentioned, I worry about that a little bit too much. You know, Roy Williams, yeah, we need that big receiver who can go up and catch the ball. That's okay. But I don't want any team that uh, I'm following or coaching depending on the jump ball. That should be an additive. That should be an extra. Coach, what what I, I want I, my passing game is, you, and you've heard me say it before, I want my passing game when it's third and 15 to be able to complete a 17-yard pass over the middle, hit the guy in stride, and let him run a little bit. That should be well, the bread and butter of your passing game. Not big, strong, tall guy. You can toss it up to him you know, on a jump ball. He'll come down with it. No, I, I totally agree, Coach. I, I totally agree that your passing game should be 
players catching the ball in stride. Yes. But on the third and 15 play that you're talking about, okay. sometimes you need a, a massive dude. I don't care about getting hit in stride. I care about making sure they get 15 yards and an inch in, in that situation. So, yeah. And I'm not saying your play should be like, you just run down, I'm going to throw it up. You know, the play should be a true NFL play trying to create yeah. a touchdown. But it, it's nice to have a bail out of them a massive Andre Johnson who can position himself in a way that only he can catch it. So. Remember the painful moments of the John Shoops era, which consistently, if it was third and ten, we'd throw seven yards. If it, it was, was third and six, we'd throw two-yard wide out. If it was third and 15, we'd hit ten yards. It was unbelievable. The frustration there, level was incredible. There, there have been many great names of offenses throughout the years. And, and let's face it, 2001, John Shoop, Led his offense, that offense, which was the worst in the NFL, did whatever it took to make sure that the Bears won every single game seven to six. By the way, that would be a defensive touchdown. <laughs> so uh, they never turned the ball over. One of the great winning offenses in the history of the Bears. You know, they had to run and shoot with Miles Davis. Remember that coach? Oh yeah. Well, that that offense is known as the dump, the dump and duck. He had to dump it off to a wide receiver, only went two yards down the field, then he would catch and he'd have to duck. Because everybody knew that they don't throw the ball farther than two yards down the field, mm-hmm. and you'd have three people picking up Marty Booker and breaking him and dropping him on his back. It, it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, dude, uh, the wide receivers that year needed to wear like full out body armor. It, it was an ugly, ugly year. Who for, was the, who was the guy off. who either preceded or followed John Shoops, who was just as bad? Mark, well, there was, Mark something. Well, there was there was a from the Casey like from the Casey. Chiefs. There was a Hatley. Hold on, there was a, I'm trying to think of the guy when uh, when Gunther Cunningham. Well, he, yeah, he came over from the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm trying to Mark O'Shea. Yes, Shea. O'Shea. Right. Uh, whatever. All I know is yeah. he, he thought Jonathan Quinn was the answer. <laughs> well, when you have Craig Krenzel a quarterback, you know, then Jonathan Quinn might be the answer. You, you know, like it's, sometimes it's hard on the first day of practice to fi- figure out if a if a player is any good, especially a quarterback going to a new team. Brian Bauer, Double B, uh, one of the co-hosts over at the morning break, calls us, and he's after one practice, it was like the first day of practice, he calls us from, he's like, Quinn is horrible. He'll never play it down for the Chicago Bears. If he does, the Bears are done. And we're like, really? Isn't that bad? Yeah. And we found out he was exactly right. It I took one practice for him to figure it out. I shouldn't be laughing. I thought Henry Burris was the answer back in the day. So who am I? To, uh, who am I? That, oh, that was a, that 2002 year. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. that was. Now you mentioned the offensive line real quick, and we got oh. Yeah, yeah, we got good news and bad news here. I was looking at the clock. I thought it was 10.57. It's 10.51. The good news is, Big Dog, it looks like the Chicago Bears have a set offensive line for this year. The the negative news, and I want your expertise in here as a longtime uh, Trenchman-type guy, four out of the five guys that are set this year did not play that position last year. Jamarcus Webb moving from right to left. You got Lance Lewis, Roberto Garzo at center. Got Chris Williams, and you got the rookie Gabe Caridi. So, how much of an effect? Well, that's not will that Marcus Webb was playing left tackle at the end of the year, wasn't he? Eh, maybe at the very end. The, against the Packers, I'm almost positive he was playing left tackle last year. Uh-huh. But still, uh-huh. Lance Lance Lewis at left guard, Webb, who's had limited right experience guard. at left tackle, Garza, a brand new center. Lance Lewis has had experience, but he's fairly new at the starting spot, and then you got a rookie at the right tackle. So, But the good news is all five of them looks like that's their set starting lineup. Yeah, I think it's going to be a better offensive line than it started out at last season. 
which I don't know if that's saying much because it was one of the worst offensive lines ever, but it's an improvement, <laughs> Coach. It really is an improvement. So this uh, Gabe, uh, uh, I mean, Karini's going to be a, a player coach. He's going to be able to play. Yep. Uh, hopefully it only takes him, hopefully by the third, fourth week, he's a, a good offensive lineman in the NFL. You know what I mean? That's not how quick I hopefully that he will be a good, solid guy that you could at least depend on to block the right guy and not get run over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that might not be – that's not asking for a lot. And hopefully by the start of next season, he's a dominant, dominant blocker out there. If you pick somebody in the first round as an offensive lineman, they need to be a dominant blocker. Yeah. And they, and they, and they to be honest with you, they should start their first year. If you're picking a guy in the first round out of the mm-hmm. offensive line. So. He's a four, four-year kid out of Wisconsin, so he's had plenty of experience. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the thing I like about him is he's dominant in the run game. Where yeah, the Bears absolutely. haven't had that in a long time. A guy you can, you know, run right behind his tush and he's going to push people back. We haven't had that kind of lineman in a long time. Looking and, forward and, to that. And Lance Lewis, uh, who will remind everybody of a, of a, basically an alligator or maybe a, a dinosaur. He's got the shortest arms in the world, but they're massive coach. They look like legs. You know, you get him at the right guard. That's, that's some, that's another nice little push. And now you got yeah. the, your left side is like your athletic side with Webb and Williams. You know, Williams will be pulling around. So I can see a lot of power to the right with Chris Williams leading the way. Mm-hmm. I see the Bears running the football to the right okay. a lot this season. Coach. Lance Lewis might have small arm, but he's got big base. Yes, I mean, a does. really big base. Oh, my goodness. That Woo! dude is wow. Wow. It looks like legitimately like the – the, like Walter Payton's bar, they should open it. They should have a Lance Lewis out. That's the they should name of beer. Oh, big dog. Yesterday we had to cut the show short. I don't know if you were worried about us. I expected a call from you at some point yesterday to see if I was still alive, but we had to end our show early yesterday due to a fire alarm here at 9711 Dempster Street in beautiful Morton Grove, Illinois. It appeared, it, it turned out it was not a fire. It was just, uh, the smell of burn coming from the vents. Really, but I'm you, sure you called it early. You called it early. Yeah, coach. about halfway through the show, I, you know. But but David Olson always good. The uh, what was the problem again? They were cleaning the vents. No, no, no. They were fixing a hole in the roof. Fixing a hole. Uh, and a hole where the rain. Is. They were using their torches to dry the epoxy. Okay. And they were doing that right next to the air conditioning vents, Uh-oh. which they failed to turn off before they did that. Uh-oh. So it was sucking the smoke and the fumes into the building. Okay. So somebody that was not aware that there are roofers here down on the first floor called the fire department. Ah. And so ah. three truckloads of Morton Grove's finest showed up. Yeah. Uh, I'm used to that. By the way, I I, uh, I worked at the Ballet Total Fitness. Mm-hmm. We would have they'd come every day because somebody would call the the ambulance and somebody would fall down. So some other person in the gym would call 911 because somebody would fall down in. And I'd be like, I didn't call. They were like, we know. We know. <laughs> so, and, but they, they did show, the fire department would show up a lot when we would go up there and, uh, and grill out on top of the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they eventually asked us to quit doing that. So, uh, you a know what? People you... at Morton Grove called the, the fire department way too quickly as long as yeah. they got a itchy, they got a trigger finger in Morton Grove. And you know, up. you know, it's a safe town when like, you know, you have one little minor disturbance and like three trucks and the chief of police comes out and, you know, you got like 18 guys there. You know, it's a slow time in the, in the uh, town of Morton Grove. Yeah, there's got to be like somebody with some really major influence that actually lives there that we don't know of. Coach. I don't think so. I think it's just that there's not a lot of action. So when they get the call. Well, you'd be surprised. I think okay. it's one of those things that they're protecting like one family in the whole entire city. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and it must be right in that area, by the way. It must be the apartment uh, behind it. Well, we'll find out who it is. Hey, Big Dog, great stuff. We will uh, see you tomorrow, my friend. We won't see you tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We want to thank mm-hmm. all of our two guys and the Mike listeners out there. Big Dog, if we have any female uh, stalkers or female fans that want to find you today, where might they track you down? I'm going to be down by the river, and I'm going to be – I'm doing a river down tour at 3 o'clock. I'm on down to 950 Kingsbury, and then also the doing the fireworks for tonight, Doug. Down by the riverside. Sounds good, Big Dog. It might not be a female fan. It might be a male dressed up. It might even be me. Who right, knows? Come down, Doug. Beautiful. We'll try to do it. Big Dog, thanks. Have a great day. Later. We appreciate everybody out there listening. David Olson, our producer, tremendous job with the music and the interruptions as well. We'll see everybody tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Please don't be late. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off.